Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys have had a great week so far. Today, we are going to zoom in on the Los Angeles Lakers and their offseason, which I think has come to a close. I think they all sign maybe one more player, probably someone like Tristan Thompson. But for the most part, the core rotation players are what they are going to be headed into next season. And as you guys know, the Los Angeles Lakers are really the one team that I root for on a personal level. Obviously, LeBron James is the person that got me to fall in love with the game of basketball in a family that I grew up that didn't really expose me to basketball. So I've kind of a sentimental attachment there. And so these last few years with LeBron James and the NBA will be my last few years having a real rooting interest for a team. I'll always have teams that I like more than others and players that I like more than others, but nothing like the sort of actual sentimental fanhood that I have for the Lakers as long as LeBron James is still in the league. So this is going to be fun for me. Um, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to look at this offseason from a bunch of different angles. We're going to zoom in on the offseason moves that they made. I'm going to do scouts on the two players that I didn't hit in our free agency reaction. That is Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish. Then we're going to do a little look at their depth charges to kind of see what boxes the Lakers check across the board. And then I want to do a uh, kind of a breakdown of why I think Rob Palenka deserves a lot of credit for what he's done since the Russell Westbrook fiasco to start last season. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. So quick off-season recap. Uh, in the draft, the Lakers get Jalen Hutchifino in the first round. He's a big guard. 
that shot 40% on pull-up jumpers last year in college. Maxwell Lewis, a 3-and-D wing, an outstanding catch-and-shoot player with a little bit of off-the-dribble pop. He reminds me of kind of like a Trey Murphy type of prospect. Obviously, he's got a long way to go to get there. But a couple picks that I really like. And free agency, they're re-signed. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, and Ruby Hachimura, all on team-friendly numbers. And then outright, they signed Torian Prince on the biannual exception, Gabe Vincent on the mid-level exception, Cam Reddish on a veteran minimum contract, and Jackson Hayes on a veteran minimum contract with a player option for a second season. So Lakers fans who missed it in our free agency breakdown, I already did evaluations of Torian Prince and Gabe Vincent, so I won't do those here. But I want to hit Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes really quick. So Cam Reddish is your textbook high potential wing that hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity in the NBA because he struggles to do his job within a five-man unit. There's a lot. There's a big gap between what Cam Reddish is capable of and his ability to impact winning in the NBA right now. He has great tools. He's six foot eight with shoes on. Has a seven-one wingspan. He weighs 217 pounds after a couple seasons of NBA strength and conditioning. But he's just not a very good basketball player. His uh, spot up points per possession is well below a point per possession. He shot 34% on jump shots in Portland, 33% on catch and shoots, 39% on unguarded catch and shoots. Attacking closeouts, he tends to overpenetrate, get himself into some trouble, turn the basketball over, take really tough shots. He's bad in pick and roll. They scored just 65 points on 76 Cam Reddish pick and rolls, including passes that's well below a point per possession. He did have 13 points on 13 ISOs, but I watched every single one of the ISOs, and they all are the exact same move. It's like catch on the wing, stare and face, hard jab step, drive to the left, hard spin move back to his right, and try to finish at the basket, although it was effective last year in small sample size. He's also a pretty bad defensive player. He leaves his feet on pump fakes. It's funny because... I used to be really intrigued by Cam Reddish as a defensive prospect when he was at Duke. His ability to slide his feet at his size is pretty unique. Um, but that just hasn't translated to the NBA because he has really bad habits. He leaves his feet on pump fakes. He reaches in and gets burned. He comes out of his stance, which causes him to lose that side-to-side mobility, which is so important to him. Portland unleashed him on a lot of star players last year. I watched a lot of footage of him guarding guys like Kawhi Leonard and Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum. And those guys just absolutely barbecued Cam Reddish just about every Every single time they had an opportunity to. He also doesn't rebound well for a guy who's a good athlete with good size and long arms. He only averaged 3.7 rebounds per 36 minutes with the Blazers last year. So he still has a ton of upside. So I like designing for depth. Again, anything with a veteran minimum contract is really low risk, but I don't think he's going to be playing any meaningful basketball for the Lakers, at least not this year. But again, the Lakers have a great player development program. Um, and my guess is that they're just betting on a couple of seasons with Phil Handy amounting to Cam Reddish growing into a useful NBA player. Jackson Hayes, 6'11 and a half with shoes on, so almost a legit 7-footer. Seven 7-foot, seven 3.5-inch wingspan. 220 pounds, so definitely thin, although I thought he held up pretty well in physicality situations. He is an excellent vertical spacing threat. He catches and dunks everything. He had 34 points on 22 roll man possessions, which is almost a point and a half, which is excellent. And he had 45 dunks, which is just about once a game, because I think he only played in 46 games last year. He also has decent touch on his floater in the lane. He took 13 floaters and made seven of them last year. On defense, I wasn't expecting him to be, but he was actually a really good pick-and-roll defender last year. Teams ran 107 pick-and-rolls at him that amounted to just 72 points. That's just about two-thirds of a point per possession. That was number one in the entire NBA for big men who guarded at least 100 pick-and-rolls. On tape, he's just long as hell. 
With his mobility, he can come up to the level of the screen and he can contest pull-up jump shots. And when guys try to get downhill on him, they're just shooting over a seven-footer with super long arms who's really active and they struggle to finish over the top. He did struggle a little bit in switches statistically, but I actually thought he did well on tape. He gave up about 1.2 points per possession on switches in large part because dudes were just hitting tough contested jump shots in his face in uh in a lot of situations this season. I actually thought on tape he performed pretty well. The one thing he really struggled with was Luca got him with a bunch of pump fakes and some ISOs, so that's just a discipline thing. Um and then super quick guards have been able to turn the corner onto him. I saw Trey Young beat him off the dribble. I saw Kyrie Irving beat him off the dribble. He definitely struggled with some um, some uh, foot speed stuff with some smaller, quicker guards. But point being, I actually think he's going to be a really useful player for the Lakers as a backup center. Again, a backup center on the minimum who's a good pick-and-roll defender who struggles a little bit in switches but is a good vertical spacing threat on the other end of the floor, that's like a home run. Uh, I don't think he's a playoff player. I don't think he's the backup center the Lakers are going to need in a long playoff run, but I think he's perfectly fine to eat innings in the regular season. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that idea later on when we start talking about Rob Palenka. So as we zoom out, I want to quick kind of go through the depth chart positionally and then in terms of archetypes. So the depth chart you have at the guard core, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, Jalen Huchifino. That's a really, really good guard core. Three of those dudes have a, uh, just got a lot of good playoff experience. Gabe Vincent made a run to the finals last year. D'Lo and Austin Reeves made it to the Western Conference finals. D'Angelo Russell really struggled against the Nuggets, but he had moments elsewhere. Uh, they probably don't beat a team like um, uh, like Memphis in that game four. If D'Angelo Russell doesn't get red hot from three, he had some moments attacking in the Warriors series as well. Austin Reeves was just awesome during the entire playoff run. I think he's still, even with all of the Lakers hype and the big contract and everything, I think he's still one of the more underrated players in the league. People just don't realize how good that kid is. Um, and then Jalen Huchifino, who it, you know obviously has a lot of upside as a young athletic guard who's got really good physical tools, but he's in a situation where he doesn't necessarily have to be great because he's got three really good guards ahead of him. Uh, forwards, LeBron James, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Max Christie, and Max, Clu- Max Lewis. That's just an awesome core of forwards. No other way around it. You can't do much better than that around the league. And then at the center position, you have Anthony Davis, who's one of the top three or four centers in the league. Depending on who you ask, I'd say he's probably the third best center in the league. Uh, maybe second, depending on how you value Anthony Davis's defensive impact over someone like Joel Embiid. Um, but then you've got Jackson Hayes as a decent backup center, and I do think they're going to end up bringing in Tristan Thompson with that last uh, roster spot we will see. Offensive archetypes. So they have uh, four players that are good in pick and roll. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, LeBron James can all run pick and roll effectively. And then they have four guys that can screen and roll effectively. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Rui Hachimura, and Jackson Hayes. So they're going to be another heavy pick and roll offense in all likelihood. They do also have three rim-pressuring forwards. Remember how much that matters for me with matchup attacking, especially against switching teams. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Rui Hachimura can all punish mismatches in the post. They have an arsenal of reliable spot-up shooters. This is crazy. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Torian Prince, Max Christie, and Max Lewis. Every single one of those guys was well over a point per possession in spot-up situations last year. And then... um, 
uh, Gabe Vincent is the only guy who wasn't above a point per possession in spot-up situations last year, but he was way over a point per possession the previous season and way over a point per possession in the playoffs, which leads you to believe that that regular season last year was a little bit of an outlier. So going from where we were last year with the Lakers as a team that basically had no shooting to now they are just just chock full of dead-eye spot-up shooters and guys who can attack closeouts at basically every single position except for the center position, that's really really, really intriguing. And if Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I, you notice I didn't even mention those two guys. If those two guys can get their ass in the damn gym this summer and fix their jump shots, this could be a really, really good jump shooting team, which could really raise their ceiling. On the defensive end, this is where it gets a little tricky. In terms of perimeter defenders, the only outstanding perimeter defender they have is Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I'm not counting Anthony Davis because you're not going to use him for that during the regular season. Although we know he can, and he got two clutch stops against Steph Curry in the Western Conference semifinals last year. But in terms of perimeter defenders, it's basically Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis. Guys like Gabe Vincent, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince are all just kind of okay at it. You know what I mean? They're good. They're playable. They're not going to hurt you on that end of the floor. Everything they bring as a package is worth it, but they're not going to be the guys that are going to significantly hamper a guy like Steph Curry in a playoff series, right? Um, thin athletic wings. Remember, I have like two different types of forwards. There's the thin athletic forwards, and then there's the big power forwards. The thin athletic forwards, they have Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, and Max Christie. It's a decent core there. And then big power wings. These are guys that you can switch on to bigs to guard in the post, but they can also guard a little bit against some of the power wings, guys like Kawhi Leonard, uh, guys like Jimmy Butler in the league. They have LeBron James and Rui Hachimura, so some decent options there. Rim protectors, Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes. Not a perfect roster, but a pretty well-rounded one that should be able to win a lot of regular season games. And again, when I say a lot of regular season games, it's all relative to the competition. I think the Denver Nuggets were the best team I've seen since the 2018 Warriors, and they only won 53 games last year. So it's not about like, oh, you need to win 65 games to be great. When the league is this stacked and this deep, chances are you're not going to end up getting that many wins. Like, the West was just flat out better than the East last year, and we saw that in the playoffs, but it didn't really look like that during the regular season because they were just beating the shit out of each other, and it didn't manifest like that in the standings. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about Rob Polinka for a minute. So I was really critical of Rob Polinka in previous seasons. I thought that he made a critical mistake uh, overlooking the Miles Turner trade for um, overlooking the Miles uh, um, Turner trade and Buddy Heel trade last summer in running things back with Russell Westbrook. I think he made a critical mistake making the Russell Westbrook trade to begin with when everybody in the world who understood basketball knew that that was a bad idea. And I'm not like literally it was the consensus opinion that it was a bad idea. It was obvious that it was a bad fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Rob Palenka is the uh, president of basketball operations. It was his job to stop that from happening. I've been very critical of him. Letting Alex Crusoe go, that's inexcusable. Losing the Julius Randle asset for nothing. Losing the Brooke Lopez asset for nothing. There have been a lot of mistakes that Rob Palenka made in previous iterations, effectively destroying a championship roster. That team won the title in 2020 and was a basically a non-playoff team for a season and a half. And I do think Rob Palenka deserves most of the blame for that. But as you guys know, I don't have personal vendettas on this show. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Rob Palenka for all eternity. I am going to do what I do with every player or executive that I talk about on the show. I'm going to point out the good things they do and point out the bad things that they do is, is the purpose of basketball analysis, right? And when it comes to Rob Palenka, ever since the trade deadline, I think he's done a really nice job. The trade deadline, I think, is a little overstated because guys like D'Angelo Russell ended up really struggling in the playoffs. Malik Beasley was completely unplayable. And then Jared Vanderbilt was kind of matchup dependent and in some series didn't uh, didn't really have the ability to stay on the floor. But what he did do is he got, um, a, he got Russell Westbrook off the roster. The Rui Hachimura trade was an absolute home run from Abroad Palenka, and he deserves a mountain of credit for that with three second-round picks that he immediately turned around and recouped, I think, in the Thomas Bryant trade, if I remember correctly. I'm not 100% certain. But the point is, is Rob did overall a pretty good job at that deadline. And say what you want about D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. They lost the Malik Beasley asset for nothing, but they were able to re-sign D'Angelo Russell at a friendly number that they can use for salary filler. And Jared Vanderbilt is going to be a very useful player for the Lakers in the regular season. So overall, I think he's done a really nice job. And then the big one is, this summer... I was listening to Tom, uh, Tim Bontemps. He said something yesterday where he was like, the the Lakers did nothing to get materially better. Why is everyone talking about how they had this great offseason? And I understand the premise of what he's saying because this is more or less the same team from last year with a couple of role player upgrades, right? Like Gabe Vincent is probably a, like a maybe – the same type of players as Dennis Schroeder. We'll see how, how it, uh, I say same level of player. I think Gabe's a better offensive player. Dennis is a better defensive player, but he kind of filled that need. And then Torian Prince is definitely going to be an interesting depth option as a guy that can actually shoot a little bit while guarding on the perimeter. Um, but other than that, it was all basically bringing everybody back, right? Like, it's the same Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and Rui Hachimura that they had last year, right? So I agree with Bon Temps in the sense that they didn't get materially better. But the key is Rob Palinka maintained a core of a team that went 18 and 8 post deadline last year, despite losing LeBron for most of those games, and made the Western Conference Finals. So he brought all those guys back. 
which will allow them to succeed in the regular season, but he maintained the flexibility they need to make the trade they'll need to make to improve to become a bona fide top-tier championship contender, which they probably already are. But if they find themselves at the deadline needing to do something to surpass Denver, they have real tools at their disposal, which was not the case last year. And that's why I think he's done such a great job. I've said this multiple times going into this summer, but there were three things that I think the Lakers had to address in order to become a perfect basketball team, so to speak. I thought they needed an athletic guard who can guard on the perimeter, someone like Bruce Brown or Alex Caruso, because you saw what Bruce Brown did to the likes of D'Angelo Russell in this particular playoff run. I thought they needed to have a real over-the-top shot creator. LeBron James and Anthony Davis and their failing jump shots was a big problem for the Lakers in the half court. The only way they were going to do that is either LeBron James or Anthony Davis getting better this summer and fixing their jump shots or making a trade for someone like a Kyrie Irving, right? And then the last thing they needed is a bona fide backup center that can actually play in the playoffs. Now, I don't think they accomplished any of those three things, but it was it, they didn't really have an option to this summer. I don't think they had... Like, let's just go through it. Bruce Brown went for $45 million for two years. The Lakers weren't getting him. And Alex Caruso wasn't available in trade. So guess what? They couldn't get that type of player in this particular free agent run. Uh, the over-the-top shot creator, Kyrie Irving, re-signed with Dallas. And the Lakers did not have the salaries to match for someone like Bradley Beal. So it was not an option this summer. The backup center thing, Brooke Lopez stayed. And I don't think Mason Plumlee was the guy. So there wasn't really a backup center available that was going to fit the need that what they wanted. But at the deadline, they might be able to do that. They might be able to trade for Alex Caruso or someone similar. They might be able to trade for Miles Turner or someone similar to fortify that backup center. If they're sitting at the deadline and they're like, man, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are still declining as shot makers. We have to do something. They can go trade for a bona fide shot creator at the deadline. Or, hey, LeBron James and Anthony Davis got in the gym this summer and fixed their jumpers. LeBron's back to where he was in 2020. We're in good shape now. Okay, now we don't need to make that trade. But no matter what, now they have the flexibility. Rui Hachimura, Gabe Vincent, Austin Reeves, and D'Angelo Russell all make somewhere between $11 million a year and $20 million a year. And they're all in the middle there. So if if the need arises and they need to go after that type of player, they can make that type of trade at the deadline. And they don't need to before then. All of those problems are Denver problems. They can beat anybody in the league as currently constructed except for Denver. Those are Denver problems. And you might not even have a Denver problem if LeBron James and Anthony Davis fix their jump shot and Anthony Davis competes against Jokic in a way that he didn't last year. So you didn't need to do anything. Patience was the right approach in this offseason. It was the wrong approach last season. Sending that group with no shooting and no forwards into that awful schedule to start the season was bound to put them in a 2-10 hole and make it so they were digging out of the standings all season. That was a bad idea, and I was critical of Rob Palinka of that. But this season, patience was the right approach because that roster, that depth chart that I went over, is going to win a ton of regular season games, again, relative to the field. They are going to consistently be in that one through four seed all season long. And so you can just 
eat innings and chill during the regular season. And then come February, you have a conversation. Where are we at? Are we good enough? Did Austin Reeves and LeBron James and Anthony Davis improve enough as jump shooters that we don't need an over-the-top guy? Okay, good. Oh, Jackson Hayes is hooping. We're in good shape. We don't need a backup center. Actually, no, it's not working out. Maybe we go target a Miles Turner or a similar backup center. Okay, we're getting torched on the perimeter by this particular type of player, and I'm worried about it against Jamal Murray in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, we need to go target an Alex Caruso type of guy. They can make that move at the deadline and maintain the core because of their depth. Again, I read over the depth chart. They've they've, They've got players to burn at every position now which is not the way it used to be. And so I, I really do think the Lakers have had a great offseason, even if it doesn't seem like it on the surface, because they were already awesome. Don't let the sweep fool you. They were the team that was closest to Denver in point differential. Every one of those games came down to the buzzer. Well, not the buzzer, but to the final minutes. The Lakers are this close, but they, they clearly need to make up that gap. They weren't going to do that this summer. So bring everybody back. Maybe you can flip that gap at the at the deadline. So kudos to Rob Palinka. This is going to be a really fun Lakers team. I'm very, very excited to cover them coming into the season. They're going to be a much more entertaining regular season product. And I think they have a real chance to win an NBA championship. Like I said in our uh, video with the Nerd Sesh guys a while back, I think the Lakers are absolutely the team that is most capable of unseating Denver as the defending champions. We are going to be covering the uh, Golden State Warriors in their offseason tomorrow, so keep an eye on the feeds for that. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support, and I'll see you guys then. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.